CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Hello, everybody. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Podcast here on this Monday afternoon. I am currently in my hotel room in Philadelphia right now. Alex at the home base. We're going to take you through day one of joint practices between the Patriots and the Eagles out here. Uh, about 10 minutes from where I'm staying at the Novacare Complex, I just drove back to my hotel in an Uber, went right by the uh, Patriots plane at Philadelphia International Airport. That that was uh, cool to see that. But this morning, a high-paced, a physical practice, a lot of live 7-on-7, 11-on-11 reps for both quarterbacks, for both sides of the football. This was an intense competitive practice. We did not really get, you know, sometimes you go out to training camp, Alex, and the first 30, 45 minutes is kind of positional drills, walkthroughs. This was pedal to the metal the second that practice really began. Once they got through the stretching period, they went through a brief uh, positional drill period, and then it was right into one-on-ones, then seven-on-a-seven, 11-on-11, basically carried them through the rest of practice. They split it up with a few special teams periods here and there just to kind of give the players on offense and defense a break. But for the most part, this was as intensive a practice, I think, in in training camp that I have seen yet. And I think that that is definitely a testament to the fact that these teams have not been in pads a ton here to start training camp. So now these are the opportunities to get into pads, to hit people on the other team, uh, not your own team. And there was a lot to go get into. So we can definitely talk about a whole bunch of things that I saw out there today, but certainly the most intense practice yet of Patriots training camp, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, so I would ask you this, you mentioned the new teams and we can kind of jump right into the quarterbacks. We know both quarterbacks struggled at times today. Sure. Do you think that that was a rough day? Do you think it was an indication that maybe the quarter Patriots quarterback situation is a bit more dire than we previously thought? Or is it just, you know, after facing the same defense for weeks and weeks, you build sub, even subconscious tendencies and just facing a new defense for the first time? Do you think that maybe threw the quarterbacks off? It's a good question. I, I think there was a couple of things at play. First of all, Cam Newton really struggled in this practice from start to finish. And we can get into some of the specifics about Cam Newton's performance. For instance, the interception late in practice. He talked about it in his media availability afterwards talking about camp interceptions versus game interceptions, the situation in that particular play in the two-minute drive at the end of practice was fourth down, down by four points, have to get the ball in the end zone. So taking a sack there, throwing the football away, those things don't really jive in that situation, right? He had to throw the ball up somewhere. Now, he threw it right to an eagle. Uh, It would have been better if he didn't do that, obviously, but it certainly – was one of those had to throw it type of situations and there wasn't really going to be an opportunity elsewhere. So I I thought Cam struggled throughout the practice. Mac was really good early. Uh, He had a couple of very, very strong 11 on 11 and seven on seven periods in the first half of practice. Then when they got into the second half of practice and combined everybody into one field and really got into some of the competitive 11 on 11 portions, Mac started to show some rookie mistakes, show some signs of struggling. So the best quarterback on the field today was Jalen Hurts by far. He was the best quarterback out there. He was very, very impressive, both throwing the ball and running with it. It was an extremely 
impressive practice out of him. I, I thought that he would be a little bit worse throwing the football than he ended up being. He was making those in rhythm, on time, accurate type of throws basically all afternoon. Now I did speak to some of the Eagles writers here in, at practice and here in Philly, and they said that was Jalen Hurts' best day of practice by far. So take that as you will, right? The Patriots offense struggling, the Patriots defense allowing Jalen Hurts to have his best practice of training camp so far. So I think there definitely is something to be said, Alex, that maybe this whole team isn't quite as far along as we thought they were, but it's obviously super early and, and now's the time to be struggling, not in November or December. Well, I mean, let's also not forget, okay, it was his best practice. He Didn't he throw two picks? Right? He threw a pick in seven. He threw a pick on, in seven on seven. Uh, he might have had a second one. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I had to look through my notes. But he certainly threw a pick in seven on seven. And that was uh, to Matt Judon. Judon dropping, basically simulating like he was going to drop off the line of scrimmage. And Hurts didn't see him and threw the ball right to Matt Judon. So that was his worst throw, obviously, worst decision. But I, I think did overall. Bentley, did Bentley pick one off too? I, I, I had heard that. Ben, so the way that it was set up, just to kind of give people a picture here, is at, at Gillette, there's two practice fields right next to each other, right? In the Philadelphia complex, there's three practice fields, one, two, three, are all right next to each other. And there was a portion of practice where the starting offense was going up against the starting defense on one field and then vice versa on on the next field over. So it was really hard to watch everything, right? You kind of had to pick what you were going to watch at that point of practice. And uh, when Benley had his interception, I was probably watching the Patriots offense against the Eagles defense. We did all kind of compare notes a little bit just because of the pace of practice and all the different things that you could have been looking at. It was impossible to see everything. So uh, we were, everyone was kind of straining to be, exact on what exactly happened in certain plays and you hear a roar over there so you look over there and you see a patriot running away with the football and you figure that it was some sort of fumble or interception or something like that i got you yeah so i mean that's i don't even remember how we got into that oh jalen hurts yeah i i think jalen hurts is an interesting guy having watched him and, and followed him pretty closely at alabama i just think right um you know i his 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 th- just his his raw throwing ability has come a long way. When he first got to Alabama, he didn't have the best throwing mechanics. Uh, he wasn't the most accurate quarterback, but he he certainly you know just in his time in Alabama, I haven't watched him as closely with the Eagles, but he became a different quarterback during that span. And I, I you know for me, if I had to you know make the perfect brain for a quarterback. Jalen Hurts is right towards the top of that list. Like he's got everything. Son of a coach, incredibly dedicated, great teammate, all of that. Um, I remember, you know, when it looked like he wasn't going to pan out as an NFL quarterback early on in Alabama, I remember my big takeaway was this guy's going to be a great coach wherever, whenever he's going to be a hell of a coach because he understands the game. He's unbelievably dedicated. You can tell he studies um, the moments never too big for him. And he was in a lot of big moments at Alabama. So that that was always my takeaway with him was that mentally this guy's got every single thing you could ask for. It was just he was a little raw throwing the football. And, you know, he's again, he's come a long way and it's been kind of cool to see him develop. And now I don't know exactly the situation in Philadelphia. I think he's locked in as the starter for this year. Like he's going to get a trial year and they'll see. I don't think he's a definitive long term option. But the fact that he's come this far from where he was at Alabama is pretty cool to see. 
he was very good out there. And like I said, it wasn't just with his legs. It was throwing the football and throwing the football on the move, which is I think his most impressive throws came when he was moving and he was able to throw the ball accurately down the field going to his right. And the Patriots tried to contain him in the pocket, but he's a different mobile quarterback from Cam Newton, right? He's a lot more Russell Wilson than Cam, I would say, where he's got escapability. He can, he's elusive. He's, he's very, very quick. He's got eyes in the back of his head and multiple times. And I'm sure when they watch the practice tape back, this will be something that Bill Belichick will be harping on a ton with the mobile quarterback, losing contain of the mobile quarterback in the pocket and letting Jalen Hurts get out of the pocket. That was a problem a couple of times for the Patriots defense there out there today. And you kind of think about it and you say, Oh, well, they went up against Cam and Mac Jones in practice who are not really true, either one of those guys, scramblers, right? And Cam, even though right. he's mobile, is more of a design quarterback runner versus somebody that actually gets out like Jalen Hurts does. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess maybe Fitzpatrick and Heineke are a little bit closer to that for Washington, but we didn't see a ton of that in the game on Thursday night from either one of those guys. So the first kind of time of this new revamped defense was dealing with somebody that can run around like Jalen Hurts can. And he definitely hurt them a few times, no pun intended, for, with his legs. And that was that was a problem. I think on the tape, I'm sure Bill Belichick, when it, whether it's tomorrow morning or, or on Wednesday, will be saying, guys, we can't let a guy like Jalen Hurts get out on us like this because he had a couple of scrambles for first downs. He had a couple of extended plays where he ran out of the pocket and threw the football down the field. He is a very talented guy if he can figure it out with his arm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he's certainly more controlled than Fitzpatrick is, but he, you know, I don't think that's actually the worst comp for him. I really yeah. don't. And it's tough because Fitzpatrick's almost 40. Hurts has been in the league for one year, so you got to kind of think back a little bit. Um, I know this isn't the Jalen Hurts show, so we can move on. But yeah, no, I, it was, just, it was fun to see him of. out there today, though, and it definitely put into perspective, I would say, where the Patriots quarterbacks are. It's not that Jalen Hurts was Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady at practice today and was lighting it on fire, but he was definitely the best quarterback in practice today. I also want to talk about Mac specifically. We can talk a little bit about Cam specifically too, but we just did a lot on Jalen Hurts. Uh, With Mac, early on in practice, he was tearing it up. First throw of practice in 11-on-11s, throws a deep corner route to Nelson Aguilar between two defenders, puts it right on the money. He had a sequence in 7-on-7s. He threw a touchdown to Aguilar down the left sideline on a fade or kind of like a wheel from the slot. Then he threw a seam ball to Devin Asiasi right up the seam in in a tight window, a crosser to Kendrick Board into a tight window. He was making NFL-type throws, dimes down the field. And he spoke after practice, and Max said that the focus Focus for the offense today was to be aggressive and try to fo- push the football down the field. That's what Josh McDaniels wants wanted them to do today was not to be conservative and test the defense deep and try to make some big plays happen. Early on in practice, especially uh, Mac to Aguilar, that definitely happened quite a bit. Later on in practice, there were some issues, both quarterback wide receiver chemistry issues Kendrick Bourne and Mac Jones had at least one slip up there I would say in terms of not being on the same page then Mac threw some deep balls where he was maybe a little bit too aggressive trying to push the football down the field he threw a a deep post to both Christian Wilkerson and Gunnar Oshevsky in the span of a couple of series where it was probably a better pass for the deep safety than it was for the Patriots wide receiver. And it just was one of those instances. And we talked to him about it after practice of 
were you too aggressive there? Were you trying to push it in practice to see what you could get away with? And on both instances, Wilkerson and Oshevsky had to break up the pass. Like they were the defensive back essentially to prevent an interception. He then came back later on in practice. The very last throw was a great ball to Nikhil Harry down the left sideline in the cover two hole, running a fade into that vacated area. And Mac put it on the money and they at least ended practice on a high note. So there was really good moments early on where you're looking around saying, why this is Max job already, right? Why, why isn't Mac playing already? Why isn't he the starter already? Then he came kind of came back down to earth. But I think the one thing that you really like about it, Alex, is that he does make that throw to Nikhil at the end of practice, right? So the, right. you, you have the struggle. It was kind of like, good struggles and then good at the end. And you like that he was able to bounce back and put some of the, the, he had a rough two minute series before that throw. I think he was something like three of seven in the two minute series that he was running at the time. And he was struggling to get the ball down the field and get the offense down the field. And then he rips the the throw, the sideline throw to Nikhil Harry. So you liked his resiliency, his ability to have a short memory and string together positive plays after having some bad ones. You like those sort of moments from Mac Jones. And let's not forget, I mean, the initial takeaway from Jones, go back and watch the shows we did after the first, second, third practice was that having a short memory was a problem for him. He'd be fine until his first mistake of the day. And then it would all right. have a snowball on him. And he had trouble digging himself out of that. So you don't want to see him struggle at all in a perfect world. Right. And you mentioned that he did have that rough series mixed in there in the middle, but okay. He's bouncing back now. I mean, the first week, every practice was just, he would end it in the worst possible way. He'd be fine to start, but he he would end on a rough note every single time. Right. So to see him come back and do that. And it's not the first time he's done that. I mean, he's been doing that the last couple of practices or so, but it, I remember I said it at the time, it's that's one, a lot of this stuff you can't pick up relatively quickly, short memory. You can pick up relatively quickly. You just, it's just a mindset thing. And so it's good to see that, that he's now in that mindset where one mistake isn't, isn't going to ruin him. And it's not, it's not just him. I talked to Ronnie Perkins about this on Sunday where he said he made a mistake early in the, in the preseason game. And he realized after that he was kind of pressing and he just put it out of his mind so he could get back to what he was doing. And he felt like after he did that, he ultimately started playing better. So that, that's a good sign for Mac Jones that the short memory is coming back around. Right. Right. That, that blown edge by Ronnie Perkins in that preseason game, everybody kind of stood out in his head. He turns it around. I thought Mac Jones had a day like that today where like I said, early on in practice, we were all kind of looking around saying, wow, this is, this is good, right? This is, this is really good Mac Jones that we're getting right now. Then it kind of traded off a little bit. He kind of fell back down to earth, made some mistakes, threw some balls up for grabs, and then he comes back and makes the throw to Nikhil. As for Cam's day, like I said earlier in the show, uh, definitely a struggle for Cam for most of practice. And the, what I wrote in my notebook, I think is, is sort of, my thoughts on the whole thing because we can get into isolated throws, right? He made this throw. He made a nice dig throw to Isaiah Zuber where he waited for Zuber to, he, the, he wasn't open in the first passing window. He waited for him to get to the second passing window on the other side of the linebacker and made the throw. And it was a good throw. He made some other good downfield throws at times. And in the two minute drill, right at the end of practice, he threw two good balls to Nelson Aguilar to get the offense into the red zone, right? A, a good day route. And I think it was like a, a curl or something like that 
to Aguilar vertically up the field a little bit. And he made two really on the money, sharp, decisive type of throws to get them down to the red zone. And then he throws the pick in the end zone on fourth down, if you will, fourth and game, whatever you want to call it. And although the context of that interception, I think is important at the same time, this is the Cam Newton experience, at least so far in New England. It feels like he takes two steps forward and then he'll take one step back. And the the problem that I had with the interception was not necessarily, like he said after practice, he had to throw it, right? It was fourth down. They were down by four points. That was the situation the, put, the coaches put on his shoulders. So he couldn't take a sack. He couldn't throw the ball away. He had to throw it. But at the same time, the throw that he made stood no chance. It, it, it was There was nobody open. There was nobody even really close to the vicinity of the pass. It was kind of unclear whether he was trying to throw to Devin Asiasi or Jacoby Myers. It was just a bad ball. And that's the Cam Newton experience here. Two steps forward, one step back. It's not that you can't find isolated throws where he made a good play here or a good play there. It's the consistency down in and down out to string together good plays. Yeah, and I, I think he actually said it was a third down um, on that 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 throw you're talking about. And so right. it, was, it was like third down with seven it, seconds left. Where it's like he, third down, seven seconds left, down by four. So a field goal does you no good. So right, but maybe he, he could have thrown it out the back of the end zone and played fourth down, is, is, is that, if that's your point. Yeah, that, that is my point, is maybe you have another play. And, I mean, that's just situational football. That's, that's something they're going to preach. That's something they're going to work on. We've right. seen him throw that that pick before, right? We've seen him throw that pick and training yeah. before. I think that, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to truly evaluate again, cause I wasn't there. Um, but that, that does sort of sound like what Cam Newton's been. And I, I've said this before. I think, I don't think Mac Jones can win the starting job, right? I think that Cam Newton has to lose it. If that makes sense. Like Mac Jones could play great as long as they're winning and Cam Newton's in there, they're going to stick with him. The only way Cam Newton can lose that job, I think, is because of turnovers. So as long as he buttons that down, I think he's okay. That right. being said, this is the time of year you want to take. Like, I always find it a little weird with, with training camp turnovers because, and, and Tom Brady's talked about this, he would throw interceptions in camp because he tests receivers or he tested, like, he's trying to figure out different concepts. He wants to know, right? You don't want to be in a game and wonder not if you can make a throw. Right. It's like they, th- this is what they teach court lawyers is you never ask a question you don't know the answer to right you 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 don't want the unexpected to come up you could say the same for quarterbacks you don't want to throw a pass where you don't know what's going to happen you want to know like if you're going back shoulder you want to know that the receiver has that ability to make the back shoulder catch so again i didn't see the pick today i don't know exactly how it worked out with the turnovers from cam and for mac sometimes i look at it you know you can tell sometimes when they throw them if it's really a, a bad throw a misread whatever or if it's something where they're just, you know, testing something out. They're 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 trying to see if something works. So I, I can't speak to the turnover as much for that. But yeah, in that situation, it's it's a spot where you'd maybe like to see him be a little more controlled. Right. And I think I saw in the chat someone say, Well, isn't that the case with Mac two, two steps forward, one step back? Well, the difference is Mac Jones is a rookie, right? So you're expecting Mac Jones as a rookie to make mistakes. And you're expecting him to learn from those mistakes, certainly, but he's almost allowed the opportunity to make more mistakes because of his age and because of the fact that this is his rookie season in the NFL. Cam, on the other hand, you as a veteran quarterback, you want to see him make a better decision there with the football, right? And you want to see him cut down on the turnovers, especially second year in the system. So it's a different scale, 
we're, we're grading them on a different scale. And I think that that's important to remember is that Mac Jones is a rookie. Cam Newton is an 11 year veteran. They're not the same, right? They're not, they're not on the same grade scale, at least to us. Now, maybe they are to Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, but to us, they're not on the same grade, uh, grade scale. So I, I feel like that's an important part of this as well. Talk about some of the other skill position players here on the offense side of the ball, and then we'll move over to the defense. Starting with Nelson Aguilar, who had a great day today. Five catches during team drills, two deep balls from Mac Jones. I mentioned the corner out and the fade down the left sideline. He was as advertised out there today. I think he had a little bit of extra juice going up against his former team, but he had Five catches overall, two deep balls, two catches in that two-minute drill to get them down to the goal line before Cam threw the pick. So I I talked about this after the game against Washington, Alex, that when Nelson Aguilar is out there in this Patriots offense and they have that speed and that field-stretching element on the outside, it changes the entire equation for the Patriots, right? If you don't have Nelson Aguilar out there, the offense is just as slow, even with the tight ends, just as slow as it was last year. It's just as slow, especially on the outside and outside receiver. So if you're rolling out Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne as your top three receivers because Aguilar is hurt, the safeties are walking up closer to the box. There's eight guys in the box all the time. The deep safety is only 11 or 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. They're packing the box to take away the run. They're sitting on the intermediate routes. There's not any sort of downfield threat to the offense. When Aguilar comes back to practice today, there was a huge downfield threat to the offense and we saw it multiple times and that's exactly what the Patriots need him to be. But on the flip side, it's good that Nelson Aguilar is making those types of plays. The bad news is there's no depth, right? If he, if he's not there, then they got nothing behind him in terms of speed receivers. So if they, if they're going to bring in a receiver, I know everybody's clamoring for them to bring in a guy that's some big ticket player, right? Like everybody wanted them to trade for Julio Jones or, or Odell Beckham or whatever. Right. But if they're going to bring in a receiver, then you do hope, and you don't, you hope it's better than a, a Demir Bird type, right? They need to be somebody better than that. But you do hope that there is some other guy that they could bring in to bring some speed because Myers, Bourne, and Harry are three slow-footed receivers. It's they're quick. We call, them, of, we call them possession receivers. That's a nice way to say it. Okay. Myers and Bourne are quick, right? Those guys can get right. open at the top of the quick, route with fitness. And they're smart and they're instinctive and they're intelligent yep. football players, but they're not fast. And Nikhil Harry is Nikhil Harry. So you have a very slow skill group out there with Nel- without Nelson Aguilar. But the good news is that Nelson Aguilar went out there today against the Eagles secondary and was a big, big issue for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a real case to be made that he's been their best offensive player throughout camp. And that's even missing that that's even when he's missed time. Right. And he's had a couple of drops and I think, you know, he's not Randy Moss. He's not going to be perfect. I I think that's the Nelson Aguilar experience. You live with it. There's going to be a couple drops, but he's going to give you some great over the top moments as well. And you just hope the positive outweighs the negative. And I think it has heavily so far throughout camp. And, And yeah, I agreed with you. I think that speed element's important and, I don't know who they bring in. I, I think maybe that's Trey Nixon's role. If they need more speed as they try to get him onto the practice squad and then he becomes that guy. Um, maybe it's Christian Wilkerson. I don't think he's that fast, but we, we saw, I mean, we saw him against Washington. We've seen him in practice right. be able to separate down the field a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, 
he's going to be, I, I think I probably, Aguilar wasn't my favorite signing this offseason. He wasn't my least favorite, but he wasn't my favorite. And I, I think I underestimated his speed. Like, not not underestimated. He's a, he's a true deep threat. You're right. I, I think I underestimated how well he can use his speed, and that's going to make, that could make a huge difference for the offense. So that that's one. They need him healthy. They need him to stay on the field, especially if the tight ends are, are banged up or going to be as banged up as they've been here the last couple of days. So, uh, yeah, to see him, you know, come back from that injury, have a great day today, I think is big. That That's a big thing, too, that we'll talk about here in a second is the tight end, just the depth in general, but also just that position as a whole. But just one last thought on Aguilar. I, I understand that there's some drops to his game. That's sort of the flaw, right? If he didn't drop all these passes, he'd be well over a 1,000 yards the last couple of years in the league. But I think the biggest thing that you see out of him is that it's not even – he doesn't even need to catch the ball necessarily, right? Like he doesn't even need to be throwing the ball necessarily. Just having his threat out there and having the speed threat out there opens up the entire offense. So we didn't see John right. Smith and Hunter Henry practice today. But when Nelson Aguilar is taking that safety deep with him and they can fill it in at the intermediate level with those types, with those tight ends, that's how this offense is going to go, right? That's how this offense is going to be productive. Without that threat, it's not it's not an explosive offense by any means, certainly, and it, and it becomes a very watered-down uh, offense in terms of explosive plays. So I don't even – I as I said in my, in my notebook, and I keep saying that, when I did my most important Patriots list, I really flirted with putting Nelson Aguilar on the list just because of the schematic advantage that he brings to the table, right, in terms of right. the speed. Now that I've seen practice for the last three weeks – I would definitely put him in the top 10 list because without him, they just have zero speed whatsoever on the field. And they, he is the only element of deep threat ability, field stretching ability that they have. So I think that that's an important, important player to this entire season really is not, is getting Nelson Aguilar not only to stay healthy because he has been nicked up in camp a little bit, but also to get him to work, right? He's got to work here. He's got to be productive here. They have to figure out how to use him properly. It's important for that player to work for this offense. Last, uh, Peter, a couple more pieces of wide receivers, I guess. Uh, you mentioned Christian Wilkerson. I wanted to talk about him briefly. Another day where he fought the ball, a couple of drops in practice today. You feel he's a very good separator. He can definitely run routes and he can definitely get open against NFL secondaries, but Getting open is the first part, right? The second part is catching the football and finishing the play. That's the part that I think is still a very much a work in progress with Christian Wilkerson. And you wonder, as great as it is that he can run by somebody occasionally and he can get open in the intermediate and short areas of the field and he can actually create some separation with explosiveness and route running, if he's not going to consistently catch the football, then I sort of feel like they'll see him as more of a developmental player and then necessarily a guy that's going to have a true role early on in the 53. So I still don't know if my, my needle still hasn't changed one way or the other. And I still think he's got a chance to make this team, but between Thursday night's preseason game today out at practice, it definitely feels like there's still a lot to develop there with Christian Wilkerson. And I don't know if they're going to trust him quite yet to put him out there in a game. So again, because everybody seems to think that, that I'm telling you Christian Wilkerson is going to come in and catch 80 passes for 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. That's not what I'm saying. I'm kind of saying exactly what you said. I think that between the special teams value and the upside at receiver, 
I, I still think that's his way onto the team. I think he's shown enough, right. like you said, that he if you give him a year or two, right, you work on his hands, he may be a, a, a serviceable third wide receiver, maybe even a serviceable second wide receiver. So his special teams gets him on the roster, and then that allows you time to work with him and build him up as a pass catcher while you still have him contributing, covering kicks. So that's where I'm at with him. I think with those top three just so so squarely in place, you can afford to keep a guy like that. It would certainly help if Gunner looked a little better as a receiver. I don't know that he's taken any massive. He really hasn't. He had a drop this today summer. too. Yeah, he had, a, he, he had a rough drop on Sunday as well. Right. Um, so, and, and maybe they keep six wide receivers. I know I have pounded the table against this on the podcast that you can't keep six wide receivers and six running backs on the roster. But I looked at my roster, you know, I was updating my roster projection today. I'll have a new one out Wednesday and boom, six wide receivers, six running backs with, with Harry, with Wilkerson, with JJ Taylor. So it's tricky. It it, it really is. It, and, and he's a, a tricky guy to place because the potential is clearly there. Nobody's going to deny that. But yeah, he has to learn how to hold on to the football. I think he can learn it. We just talked about Nelson Aguilar, how he's had trouble with drops. Right. It's a, it's a problem guys can grow out of, and they usually do grow out of it. So, you know, maybe he's Riley McCarron, and, and Riley McCarron was the same thing where we were all wowed by his special teams ability. And, you know, he could return kicks. And it was like, all right, well, he'll be a good enough receiver. And then he had a really bad drop the first week of the season. Nobody ever heard from him again. So maybe he's Riley McCarron, same number, but I, I I feel like you at least have to give him the chance and find out. I feel like he's at least shown you enough that, you know, you don't, you don't want him to become um, uh, uh, Berrios. You don't right. want him to become Braxton Berrios where you let him go because, oh, he's a year away. And yeah, he could contribute in other ways right now, but he's a year away from being a wide receiver. And the Berrios goes to the Jets and he's a good player. Like Brax, Braxton Berrios, an NFL receiver. You don't want – I think Wilkerson's shown you too much where you don't want that to happen again. He definitely can get open. How about those for names, by the way? Ryan yeah, no, the, but those are the names – I think those are great names to bring up because I think that's my problem with Christian Wilkerson and the hurdle that mentally I can't get over is Barrios, is McCarron, is Mo Harris. You know, these guys that have popped – It's different, training. but it, it, you got to take Mo Harris out. It's different. Okay, I'll take Mo Harris out of it. I'll try. Mo I'll Harris – Mo. right. Mo, here's the thing. Wilkerson is go- if Wilkerson makes the team, he is going to contribute in 2021. He will on special teams. It will- on special teams, but he will right. contribute, right? Like, yeah. Mo Harris was never going to contribute. Mo Harris was a receiver that was it. Wilkerson, and he was also older. He was like 28, 29, something like that. Christian Wilkerson is going to come in, contribute on special teams this year, and then you you hope that he develops as a receiver. That's what Braxton Berrios did, right? There's three levels of it. Riley McCarron was a special teams player who never developed as a wide receiver got cut. Braxton right. Berrios did develop as a wide receiver, was a special teams player. They let him go. He developed as a wide receiver elsewhere when they really could have used him. Then you have Gunner, who they kept as a special teams player, has kind of he's, – he's shown enough as a wide receiver. He's still developing, but he seems to be on that path. Um, that's the thing with Wilkerson to me is I think there's enough where – He's going to fill a role on special teams. And by the way, it's a role they need. And then you keep him to develop. So that, yeah. that's where I'm at. By the way, Riley McCarron, I just checked, never played in the NFL again. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do we, we haven't talked about Nikhil Harry yet, right? So I, I no. want to quickly make a – look, we talk about Nikhil every day. I, I think it's an important player on this team. But the one thing that I want to say is I, 
he has, Alex, been so much better in practice than what he showed in that game against Washington. So much better than what he showed in that game, or at least what we were able to deduct from that game, right? We didn't have the coaches filming, yada, yada, yada. But what we were able to deduct from that game, one target, one catch, four yards, really did not – it wasn't indicative of what we have seen out at practice for the last couple of weeks. So I wonder, again today – 3-0 in one-on-ones against the Eagles secondary, against the Eagles corners. Then he made a catch in 11s early on in 11s on a dig route to, from Mac Jones. And then he catches the go ball down the left sideline from Mac to end practice. So those are the flashes that we consistently see out of Nikhil at practice. And he's practicing well. And it's encouraging that he's practicing well. And I just, for the life of me, I don't understand how it didn't translate more against Washington, especially when he was playing late in the game against backup players, right? Because we see him get separation. We see him get open. We see him go above the rim and make catches over guys and contested balls and things like that. And then he goes out against Washington and he plays the most snaps out of any wide receiver and is basically a dud, right? And I, I, I just, at what point do we say, that it doesn't really matter that he's practicing well because it's not translating to the game, right? It has to eventually bring itself out on game day. It can't just be a practice thing for Nikhil Harry. That, so that's the thing is how does Belichick wait to practices and, right. in the whole preseason? We know he weights the joint practices very heavily, more heavily, I think, than the games. I think he's talked about that. So again, you said he had a good day today? Yeah, yeah. It was 3-0 against in one-on-ones. Every time he goes, look, one-on-ones, you can take it or leave it if you ask me. There's a lot, there is some things to deduct from them, but obviously they heavily favor the wide receiver, right? You have a corner and a wide receiver on an island, no safety help, no inside help from linebackers underneath. You know, the wide receiver knows what route he's running. The corner doesn't know where he's going, right? It just it right. heavily favors the wide receiver. But every time we see him, in one-on-ones, even against Patriots corners in, in Foxborough, he creates enough separation at the top. It's not, he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not creating 10 yards of separation, but he creates enough separation at the top that when the quarterback is forced to throw the ball up to him because there's nobody else to throw to, right? Cause it's a one-on-one drill. Right. He then goes above the rim and makes these contested grabs and is able to box out at the catch point and make tough catches in traffic against tight coverage and he's able to do it against a bunch of different players he's now done it a bunch of different players on the Patriots secondary and Foxborough he did it today against three guys in the Eagles secondary it wasn't Darius Slay but there were guys that were going to be in the rotation for Philadelphia in the cornerback position so you just wondered in one-on-ones the quarterbacks are forced to throw the ball up to him because that's the drill right then you get up in these games and there are people that there are receivers that are running routes and it looks more open to the quarterback, but Nikhil and one-on-ones continues to make these types of plays. So I don't know. It's just like I said it to be to start with, at what point do we just say practice is practice and games and games, and it doesn't matter as much if it's not in the game, but at the same time, you have to give them credit for practicing better. Right. So it's that, that that's this time of year is that we have way more practice footage than we have game footage. Right. So again, I'll go back to what I said before. How does Bill Belichick weight things? I think, you know, Nikhil Harry dominated non-padded practices. Those are weighted the least. Those are weighted the least. But he also came out, he had a great joint practice. Those are weighted the most. Uh, the game's probably after that. Then internal right. padded practices. So 
if if what Bill said a couple years ago is true and the joint practices mean the most, then today was a really big day for Nikhil Harry making the team. And we'll see if he can keep it up. And I, I said this, I said this about the Mac and Cam uh, debate. I said this about all the wide receivers. I said this about everything. Nothing really matters till you get to the joint practices. This right. is 60, 65, 70% of the grade here. So, you know, Nikhil, yeah, all the, the little homework assignments you do, you did fine on those, whatever. He just took the midterm. He got an A. Right. So that, you know, this is the stuff that really matters, and he had a really good day. So that's important. I think that's a good sign for him. So uh, quickly, just through this, a couple more offensive notes. Ramondre Stevenson was getting reps with the ones at one point in practice today, mixing in with Sony Michelle and Damian Harris. Now, do you know that the games are heavily weighted by the coaching staff? Ramondre Stevenson was mostly in the fourth quarter of that game against Washington, but he showed something, right? He showed that he had some juice. He showed that he had some wiggle even. I thought on that one run, he has a good lateral movement for a big guy, right? He's able to make those jump cuts. and He's able to make guys miss in the phone booth, even as a big player. It doesn't, he doesn't have to just run people over, right? He's got pretty good feet as well for a guy of his size. He obviously has good home run speed from what we saw on that 91-yarder. So a good game from Ramondre Stevenson. He's rewarded by playing today with a lot of the starters and working with the ones a little bit. Maybe they're just giving him a look to see what they what he makes of it. I don't know. We have all just kind of written Ramondre Stevens off as a redshirt guy because that's what the Patriots do with their running backs. But if he comes on strong here over the last couple of weeks of camp and with the games and the joint practices, I don't know. Maybe maybe he does carve out a bigger role and maybe he does make them shop or think about at least trading Sony Michelle at some point or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I still don't think you get that far. I still think the running back depth is it's okay. Like I don't think they need right. another back, but I don't think they're as deep as everybody thinks they are with the Sony Michelle trade and all that, I still think he's going to get red shirt. I just, I think he's a good player. I do. I, I don't know that he jumps out as better than, right. A guy like James White who got red shirt, a guy like Shane Vereen who got red shirt. I don't know that he's popped in a way those guys haven't popped. So right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I still think he's due for the red shirt. So lastly on the offense, tight end injuries is becoming an issue. We, they had, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith are already out with injuries. Neither one of those guys practiced today. Matt Lacoste gets absolutely lit up by Derek Barnett. This actually almost started a fight right off the bat. Early on in practice, maybe Cam's first or second throw of competitive team drills. He leads Matt Lacoste coming over the middle from left to right, Cam's left to right. He leads him out in front of him a little bit. Derek Barnett is standing right there in a shallow zone and just absolutely lights Matt Lacoste up in a way that maybe 10, 15 years ago, it doesn't get flagged in an NFL game. Now the way, how gruesome of a hit it looked like, it wasn't necessarily as bad as it looked in terms of intent, but the way that it looked, I think that that's immediately a flag in today's game, right? It it just, it was a big, big hit. And Matt Lacoste goes out of practice. He's definitely in concussion protocol Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are already banged up. Devin Asiasi obviously sat out a lot of practice because of COVID. He's coming back now. There were a few instances today where he ran the wrong route, or not the wrong route, but just didn't really get to his kind of landmark on the field, if you will. 
and is still a growing kind of process with him. So the Patriots are basically, they cut David Wells yesterday too, which is not here nor there, but without Lacoste, Henry, and John U. Smith, they have basically what, one, two tight ends. They have Devin Asiasi and Troy right. Fumagalli at this point. Well, the David Wells cut isn't isn't nothing because you still and I've talked about this before. You need enough guys in camp to run camp. Right? They might need, need to sign a tight end just to run camp at this and point. And then that yes. that means you have to let somebody go who's clearly here for a reason. So it's right. You know, the big picture is it a huge thing? No, but it it factors in there certainly. I yeah they they got to figure this out. I've been a big Troy Fumagalli guy for a while. I loved him in that draft coming out out of Wisconsin. I thought he was a good fit for them. I don't think he should be the starting tight end for this team. Um, you know, I if they have to turn, I I was thinking like, okay, if if Ossie Ossie comes out and he's not ready, and Matt Lacoste isn't the guy, I thought he was a nice option as their third tight end. But yeah, here we are, and Lacoste was having a good summer. You know, if if it, I had Devin Ossie Ossie on as the third tight end, but that's just the nature of him being a year removed from being a top one hundred pick. I think right. if all things were equal, I'd probably put Lacoste on the roster. So the good news is Johnu's injury sounds minor. Hunter Henry said they that he'd miss until week one, and now he's at least back doing basic stuff. So I, I, I think it's 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 minor stuff. You just hope it doesn't continue into the regular season. Um, but that's football. You know, that is what it is. And I don't know that, you know, people say, oh, they weren't really prepared. It, if you're preparing your roster to lose your top two tight ends like this, you're just you're you're leaving out somewhere else where you need help. This has just been an unfortunate sequence of circumstances a series of unfortunate events if you will for the patriots sure and this happens every team deals with this in training camp one position group always gets right. riddled with injuries it happens all across the league and this is what we talked about with Nikhil harry right when we were right. saying oh well, what's Nikhil harry's value really well you know come the end of camp a team there's a couple injuries the team really needs a wide receiver this is the exact kind of situation we were talking about. Right. And, and, and John Smith's injury and Hunter Henry's injury is, is whatever, but let's go easy on Matt Lacoste. It was not his fault that he got led right into Derek Barnett and got absolutely lit up into next Tuesday in today's practice. I'm not going to go off on Derek Barnett because I don't think he intended to do what he did, but Derek Barnett, let, let's chill out a little bit, right? This is training camp. It's practice. Let's, let's, keep the head hunting down to a minimum, right? Because the, the, the hit was borderline for sure, right? Like, like I said, in the game, it probably gets flagged. He might even get a call from a commi- the commissioner's office a few days later to, with a little bit of a fine for that hit. It was definitely a lot. All right, so after that, I want to talk about the defense, move over to that side of the football. I will admit, like I said earlier in the show, uh, it was split up a lot of practice, offense on one field, defense on the other field. So it's hard to see absolutely everything. But the things that I did deduct from the defense, which I'm going to watch a little bit closer tomorrow, was Matt Judon, first of all, top note here. Matt Judon is everything that the Patriots like about uh, want in their outside linebackers, right? He is a complete system fit for them. He can rush the passer. He had a sack today in practice. He had that quarterback hit against Washington. He can drop into coverage. The pass breakup against Washington, a pick in seven-on-sevens here today against the Eagles in practice. And then, of course, we get into you know being able to set the edge of the defense, right, and playing the run as well. He checks every single box of things that Matt, that they want their outside linebackers to do. To me, it looks like an absolute home run of a signing so far. We'll get. We'll see what it looks like in the regular season, obviously, but it looks like we're treading towards this being a great, great signing by the Patriots. 
Yeah, and that coverage thing, I mean, it's with all the linebackers. It's kind of the cherry on top. I think all the linebackers have been great in coverage this summer. They've contributed. They have a number of interceptions, and that is a development I wasn't expecting. Not that, you know, they suck in coverage, but generally, the paid, you know, these guys, they've brought in a more downhill, run-stopping, edge-setting linebackers. When you have such a deep secondary like the Patriots have had, you're not going to bring in coverage linebackers. It's just not roster building. Right. So that these guys are contributing in the ways they are has been fantastic. I do want to backtrack real quick, though. Be, uh, before we get too far in on the defense, because I had <laughs> Phil Perry on my podcast on 98.5, and you can check that out now on 98.5thesportsup.com. And he said something that stood out to him today, and it, it was part of the reason the quarterback struggled, the offense struggled as a whole, was the offensive line had a rough day. It did. And I think, I think that's the last thing you expect to hear. So I'm just curious, like, if you can expand on that. So I think there was a couple of factors at play here. First and foremost, Philadelphia – and I, I like, you got to give the opponent some credit, right? In all these right. types of games, practices, whatever it must, might be. Philly, I would say might have the best defensive line the Patriots are going to go up against all year. They are absolutely stacked on the D line here in Philly and they're deep on the D line too. It's not just one or two guys, right? Fletcher Cox is at the top, but they go six, seven guys deep on the defensive line. It's a really good unit. The Eagles have a ton of, issues on their roster elsewhere, but offensive line and defensive line are still really solid here in Philadelphia. A lot of those players from the 2017 Super Bowl team is carrying over still to 2021 roster. So really good defensive line. Early on in practice, they struggled to run the football for sure. They they were the Patriots, I mean. They were struggling to move anybody off that line of scrimmage. Fletcher Cox for the first, I don't know, I would say three or four periods of team drills was wrecking the Patriots offense against the run. They couldn't block him. So he had a huge practice. I, I don't know what to make of the offensive line. I think the one thing that I would say about sort of what I'm seeing out of this group is Trent Brown, I don't think has been as good as people were hoping that he was going to be in his second stint there. He does look a little bit slower I would say, in terms of getting guys coming off the edge, right? His first year here, he was really, really good at just setting backwards and making guys go through him and, and was able to get to his set points despite being so large. Now I think his foot speed has slowed down just a little bit. That that would be something that maybe if you want to look for a red flag, that that could possibly be it. The other thing is, and we continue to talk about this, is that starting five is pretty solid. But once they bring in those backups in the second team offensive line, the whole thing goes to, you know what, right? Like that, that whole group is a mess. And I, I think the starting five is going to be fine. I think that they're going to be good. But in terms of those backup guys and, and that second string offensive line, which is what Mac Jones worked with a lot today, most almost exclusively with the second team offensive line, that group has got some flaws. They, I don't know if any of those guys, besides maybe Ference and I guess Karras when he plays with that group, are NFL rosterable offensive linemen. Yeah, that that's it for me. I think the starting group will be fine. I think it's just hard when you haven't been in pads for a while. You know, I wonder if maybe the solution is you move Karras to guard, you kick on Wenu back out the tackle, and you have Trent Brown flip sides. Like maybe that, if I wouldn't do that right now. But if you get two, three weeks into the season, the offensive line's tough. Like you kind of have that built-in shot in the arm you can give them. Um, right. And I'd, I, we'd have to look at what the specific problems are, but you do kind of have that card in your back pocket where 
Ted Karras is a starting NFL offensive lineman, and you can reshuffle things if you need. Take Isaiah Wynn out of the lineup or Trent Brown out of the lineup if you, if you really want to. Um, but yeah, behind them, I do think the depth's a concern. I think, like I said, Ted Karras is a starting caliber NFL lineman. I do still think Justin Heron is something. I think he can be your third tackle. I wouldn't start him, but I think he can be your third tackle. But this is a team that normally keeps nine, 10 offensive linemen, and they're at seven with those two guys I just named. So, you know, Marcus Martin had a nice start, but he's taken a step back. Right. Ferentz is, is just really inconsistent, like you mentioned. I would have liked to see a little bit more from William Sherman. You know, if he, he was going to be a developmental player one way or the other, but you'd hope you'd see a little flash from him. I don't he's, know that we've he's, seen had that. A, he's had a rough training camp. Right. So to put it politely, you know, that, that might be a spot where, where they have to add externally or, or they just keep less players than they'd like to. And you hope somebody else gets cut somewhere and you can land them on the practice squad. And you know, with those practice squad rules, maybe you can keep one less lineman because you're probably only going to have seven active on game day anyway. Right. And then you just have a guy you can elevate from the practice squad if needed. Uh, but that, that seems to be the case right now is they're going to need some depth at that, at that position or at the, in that group. I, I agree 100%. It's a group that I definitely wouldn't be surprised one bit if they cut it down to seven, put somebody on IR after cutdowns, put a couple, make some transactions, you know, a couple moves post IR, post cutdown day on August 31st, and then go out and trade a six round pick for an offensive lineman or sign one on waivers or whatever, right? You know, just bring somebody in from out of house to shore up that group. Or as you mentioned, I think there is also a good chance that they stash some depth on the practice squad and with the game day elevation rule and the uh, accrued seasons rule, there's a whole lot, bunch of different things that they could do to not take up a roster spot with a guy like Corey Cunningham, for instance, or Yadney Kajust or Will Sherman that probably aren't one of the 53 best players in in camp right now, but at least you have that depth stashed away on the practice squad. I think James Ferentz is another guy that could potentially be that as well, unless he starts to put together some good, uh, more good tape in these preseason games and gets picked up. So well, we've been saying it all camp, Alex, depth on the offensive line, depth at cornerback. They're very top heavy at both spots. I mean, and I that, think corner, it might not, it's not depth at corner. I mean, they need, they need a guy who's going to play more than half the snaps at corner. Right. I mean, it's so, a little different. Well, let, let, let's talk about that because today, okay. I mentioned it to you. I texted it to you that Jawan Williams was playing outside cornerback with the top unit out there today at practice and allowed them to kick Jalen Mills to more of the position he's probably going to play during the regular season. And this is what I was waiting for was because even if, even if it's going to be Stephon Gilmore instead of Jawan Williams, right? That's going to be at that outside cornerback spot. Jalen Mills repping outside corner all the time and not getting any work at safety or not getting any work over the slaughter as a money backer or whatever they want to use him as. Eventually they had to move Jalen Mills inside to his, to his regular season role because he's wasting time playing all these right. snaps at outside corner. Right. So I actually asked him about it at, after practice today. And I said, well, what's your comfort level with outside corner and, and how much you're working there? You know, how do you, are you okay with how much you're working there? And he was like, I'll play anywhere. And I, that, that kind of told me nothing, obviously to, to some degree, but also you have to realize that he's not going to play there during the regular season and forcing him to play there so much as they have kind of forced their hands. So today they finally allowed Jawan Williams to play with the starters a little bit. He didn't do anything egregiously bad. And I think in a lot of ways, at corner, corner and offensive line are kind of similar in the fact that if you're not calling the guy's name out, that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
right? Because if you're an offensive lineman and you get your name called out, you either held somebody or you got beat on the play. If you're a corner, kind of the same thing, unless you're intercepting a pass. So, yeah, you would like to hear Jawan Williams had a pick today, but the fact that I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jawan Williams gave up a 60-yard touchdown is is just as good in a way. So he played today. He didn't get exposed. I think that that's good news for the Patriots. But what's your takeaway just from the fact that Jawan Williams is now playing, uh, getting some starter reps, kind of similar to Ramondre Stevenson. It kind of seems like they're rewarding him for playing well on Thursday night a little bit. Yeah, it's encouraging. But, I, you know, again, I didn't see it, so I can't tell you. You can put whoever out there you want. It doesn't matter if they're not playing well. So, sure. you know, it's, if you didn't see him, that probably means he had a good day, and that's encouraging. And he's at the top of my list for players to watch on Thursday for sure. But until, you know, he shows it consistently, I think he needs to have really good joint practices from here on out, a couple good games before we can look at it and say, you know, hey, maybe they don't need to add here in in the uh, before before week one. JC Jackson's not looked great there at times in practice, but I I'm not worried at all about JC. I, I feel like. For a player of that caliber, maybe some of the things that he's doing out at practice is kind of testing the waters on certain things or trying out something different. When he plays his brand of coverage, he's going to be a good player, right? So if he get, he did get burned today on a deep ball uh, to Quez Watkins, who's kind of been the hero of, of – he's been sort of the Christian Wilkerson of right. Eagles training camp so far. So I, I'm not at all concerned about that with J.C., I think that the one other thing that stood out to me with the Patriots defense was Kyle Van Noy spoke after practice. It was the first time he's spoken to us in quite some time, a couple of weeks. He's been a little bit dodgy with the media uh, since he returned back from Miami. And he, he was asked a question by Greg Bedard about if his role has changed at all this time around versus last time, right? Because in 2019, yep. his last season here, he played predominantly at the end of the line of scrimmage as an edge defender, really didn't play a whole ton at inside linebacker. We've seen him rep a lot more at, I would say, off the line of scrimmage this year than it, than he was in his final year here. Now, they cross-train everybody, right? They they make sure everybody's ready to play any spot in case there's an injury or something like that. So I think that there's something to do with that. He did have a batted pass at the line of scrimmage today, and I think he's he's got kind of a knack for that of sort of – Bill Russelling it, right? Like being able to time yeah. those up and, and knock those passes down. So that's, that's good to see. But I wonder, he has, I don't think he's a natural inside backer. And this is something that he talked about when they finally moved him to outside linebacker and here in the, with the Patriots. The Lions played him inside linebacker. He played a little bit more at inside linebacker early on in the Patriot, in his Patriot career. And then they finally moved him back to his college position out on the edge and he flourished. And, I still think the same thing with Kyle Van Noy because I know there were some concerns about him in coverage and things like that from the game against Washington. They repped him a lot at inside linebacker against Washington too. He is an outside linebacker. And you wonder, I don't think he's going to get cut or anything crazy like that, but you do wonder with Josh Uche and Matt Judon playing so well. And Uche really, you knew Judon was going to be there. But with Uche kind of taking that next step potentially – the reps for Kyle Van Noy, because you have Hightower back, and you're probably going to play those three linebackers, Hightower, Uche, and Judon, a whole lot. So with Van Noy, where does that fit in, and is he going to be happy in a reduced role? And you just sort of wonder about how much playing time Kyle Van Noy is ultimately going to get. Well, with the exception of we, we've seen Uche play a ton on the inside. Yeah. And, 
He plays so everywhere, if, for sure. If, right. If he kicks inside more than you have – I mean, that was how I had pictured it when they set this whole thing up, was you have Hightower in the middle, you have Vinoy and Judon on the outside, and then we've talked about this before, and I tried to figure out what the technical term for it was. You have Josh Uche, who's your second middle linebacker, but it's almost – almost a third outside linebacker where high towers are middle. And then you have kind of three guys playing the traditional outside role and Judon Van Noy uh, and Uche, but Uche is like a middle outside. Again, I don't know what the term for it is. We figured out, we figured it out and it was something the um, Panthers did like five years ago. I don't know. But anyway, right. I, I think that like you said, they're cross training everybody. Everybody's got to be ready to play everywhere. Um, but I, I think ultimately Uche ends up playing more inside where I think he's better off. And then Van Noy gets back to his spot on the outside. By the way, for everybody in the chat saying I look miserable. Um, I wasn't at practice today. It's very hard to talk about this when you weren't there. The FOMO is real. He's, I also he's doing get, his best. He's doing his best. Yes, I also didn't get a ton of sleep last night. So that's, I'm good. I promise. You I'm didn't good. get just, a ton of sleep. Now this is going to sound like a first world problem. So I should probably just shut up. But my plane last night, oh, I, get, I get on the plane. Oh, I get on the plane. And then Aww. we get on the runway. Let me tell my story. We get on the runway and the captain comes over the loudspeaker and, and says, we had a malfunction, mechanical malfunction or something like that with the plane. We got to go back to the gate and they got to take a look at it. An hour and a half later, we finally took off. I was on the same flight as Tom Curran. Both of us that practice today were zombies, but we made it. And that's the most important thing. We made it safely. And that was what the yeah. pilot said. He said, look, it sucks. We're all pissed off that we're not taking off right now. But in reality, the hydraulic pump is broken. And if I had gotten you guys up in the air with a broken hydraulic pump, then we wouldn't have been able to land the plane because I wouldn't have any brakes to make sure the plane stopped when I hit the runway. So in reality, he saved our skins. So <laughs> that, that's why there's pilots that exist. And uh, that's why they're better at their jobs than, than I would be at, at that job for sure. So they had to make the tough call. And they actually, kudos to JetBlue and their mechanical staff. They turned it All around right, was, a lot it, it, faster it, than I thought they, they could. Until they cut us a check. Until they cut us a check. We don't need I love JetBlue <laughs> too, but let's not give them free publicity. I'm trying right. to get it, right? I'm trying to get those. No, you got it. You got to try. I've said this before. If any company wants to mail me a hat in $50, I'll wear your hat on the show. Like, I, I this is a billboard. I'll put a poster back on that wall. You want to send me a t-shirt? Like, we can set that up. Just hit okay. me up on Twitter. So I wasn't going to do this today, but I'm going to do it, Alex, because I'm feeling a little bit feisty. Maybe it's because I didn't get much sleep last night, as okay. I just said. I see this a lot, and I just want to come out with it right away. How many practices have we watched so far? I, I want to say this is – we're getting up there. 14 plus a preseason game, so 15 14 days of football. And plus a preseason game. A lot of people in the comments here in the chat, in the comments on our YouTube channel, tell me that I'm biased – towards uh, for Mac Jones against Cam Newton. And I want to say first and foremost, I don't need to be impartial on this show, right? I can have an opinion and say that I prefer one player over the other. And I also want to say before I say this, preface it with this, it has nothing to do with them personally, right? It has nothing to do with Cam the person or Mac the person. But I'll say it right now. I'm a Mac guy, all right? I think Mac's the better quarterback. I think he's the better quarterback right now. And you see the mistakes that he makes out at practice. He's a rookie. He's in, what, training camp practice 14 and preseason game one. 
as we get into the season and if he gets the starting job, which I think he's going to sooner rather than later, you are going to see him make less and less of those mistakes because he's going to learn on the job. Right. So I'm, I, I am not afraid to come out and say it. I am. I think Mac Jones is the better quarterback for this team. Do I think he's better in every single way than Cam Newton? Absolutely not. Cam's got a probably bigger arm than him still. He certainly moves around better than Mac and he can run better than Mac. But for the type of offense that they want to run here in New England, Josh McDaniels' passing system, he is a better fit for what they want to do than Cam Newton. And it's that simple. And again, it has absolutely nothing to do with anything about Cam or Mac off the field or their personalities or the type of people that they are or anything to do with that. It is what my eyes see out of these practices and I am not afraid to go out there and say that I'm a Mac guy and pound the table for Mac because we go out there every single practice and we see an accurate decisive quick read good timing good rhythm good anticipation all the things that we talk about about the Patriots offense and what makes the Patriots offense successful at the quarterback position and I'm I'm not sitting here and and saying that he is Tom Brady Certainly not. And no, I, I did not think Jared Stidham was a stud. So you have to go back and check the receipts on that one. All right. I'm going to just say right now, I'm, I think I'm, I'm team Mac. I don't care. Come after me and say whatever you want. I'm team Mac. Alex, I'm not going to make you pick a side, but I, I am well, team Mac. It's funny you say that because I've been the one who people have said is, is the between level headed, which that I appreciate and I try to be. Uh, or even pro cam when the reality is I am a big Alabama football fan and Cam Newton <laughs> broke my heart when he won that iron bowl in 2010. So you're so, more, you're biased. Great, great uh, you have biases. Frankly, right. Great quarterback. Right. I love, and I love covering the guy. He's, he's really, really interesting guy to talk to, but yeah, I still haven't forgiven him for the 2010 iron bowl. If we're being entirely honest. Um, and on top of that, I remember, and I've told this story before on this show in 20, in October last year, we we were in the booth after game and we were talking about quarterbacks and you're da 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 Kellen Mond da 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 whoever and I was telling you Mac Jones and you said they you can't are. take Mac Jones that high he's not that good I said Evan just watch one of his games and you said there's no reason they should draft Mac Jones I got to Mac Jones first I'm the original Mac Jones guy and I'm apparently the level headed one so. I, I don't know. I look. I think Jones is good. I, I think, think it's funny. I think we've kind of switched spots on this too because you used to be a little bit more boisterous with your takes than me, and now you're the level-headed one, and I'm the take machine. I went to I, 90, I went to ninety-eight-five, and I got level-headed. Um, there you go. No, I, I think that um, you know, I I, I think I just I, my opinion on Mac hasn't changed a ton since he got here, since he got drafted. I'm kind of I was probably higher on him than most people going into the draft. And then he got out to practice and he succeeded. And I think everybody, because the expectations were so low, the the excitement now is so high because it's almost overcorrecting. I, I haven't been super surprised by anything we've seen from Mac Jones. And I don't mean that in a bad way or a good way. I think, you know, the guy he was at Alabama that I raved about during the draft, he's a guy who's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's going to get you up and down the field. He's not going to win you any games, but he's not going to lose you any games. I think there's value in that kind of quarterback. I thought that's what he was going into the draft. I think that's what he's been throughout camp. Again, I think some people, there's maybe overcorrection because they were lower on him for before before the draft. So now that he's come out and impressed them, they're that much higher on him. Um, I, I'm still kind of where I've been on Mac. I mean, it may be a little higher than I was, but 
I'm still there. And again, I think when it comes to the Patriots, because you absolutely have to look at it in that context, context, you can't look at it as just them head to head. I think the Patriots value experience. They value experience more than anything else. Cam Newton's the experienced quarterback. He's been in this league for 10 years. He's won an MVP. He's been to a Super Bowl. So, you know, when you look at it in that context, in the context of week one, in the context of September 2021, they are going to view Cam Newton as the better option. I still believe that. I don't totally disagree with it. I think sitting Mac Jones is important, at least for a little bit for his development, at least for two to three weeks. Um, so that, you know, that's where I've just been with that. Uh, so I don't know how that turned into you being the, the Mac guy and me being the cam guy, but you know, cards on the table, like you clearly put yours on the table. I My just cards put them on, on the table. table. That's where, that's where I'm at with it. All, so. all the marbles are on the table now for Mac Jones, for me, because the three most important things about Josh McDaniels' offense are timing, accuracy, decision-making. Right. Those are the three most important things. Everything else, all the other stuff is gravy on top of that. But to be productive and run the system the the way that they want it to be run, timing, accuracy, decision making. Right. And ball security obviously goes with decision making. Those are the three things that matter the most to Josh McDaniels and this Patriots offense to make it run properly. And in a lot of ways, this system is a system that if you press the right buttons, that it can be productive even if the quarterback is not incredibly talented in his own right. I'm not saying Mac's not incredibly talented, but I'm just saying it doesn't need to be Tom Brady to run the system if they press the right buttons on the controller, so to speak. So I, I think that that's a big part of the Mac thing for me as well is the execution and the overall operation of the offense is just very, very clean. And even when he makes these mistakes, I have faith that he will be making less of those mistakes a month from now. And two months from now, he'll make even fewer of those mistakes. So that's the other element of it, too, is that you see the foundation is clearly there for him to be productive in this offense. And then you also see where he could be with a little bit more coaching and a little bit more experience. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, On the table, Mac Jones, say, say, trolls come at me. I, I don't care. I will add one more thing. Because somebody brought up the Chad Pennington comparison. Chad That's Pennington fine. was objectively a very good quarterback. That's Chad fine. Pennington didn't I don't know why fail. I'm right. right. Chad Pennington didn't fail because of lack of talent. Chad Pennington failed because his shoulder was made of uh, um, uh, was, uh, paper mache. Right. He he had the NFL all-time completion record for like years until I think Deshaun Watson has it now. But he had it for a long time. In this system, with the tight ends they brought in, with this offensive line, this running game, yeah, if you have Chad Pennington, you're going to be pretty good. People forget, until last year, Chad Pennington was the last two quarterbacks to win the AFC East. He won it in 02 with the Jets, and he won it in 08 with the, whatever the year Brady was. These are their random 08. facts that Alex keeps Right, 08 up. with the Dolphins. So, you know, I don't know if Mac's ever going to win an MVP to that question. Oh, right, sure. Can, can he be a guy who kind of, you know, with the right pieces around him, turns a team, you know, gets a competitive team to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but I could see that. At the same time, you know, Cam Newton this year, if he really did need a year in the system and he really did need a year to get healthy, if you can get, you know, his last full year we talk about was 2018. He was pretty good that year. Wasn't 2015. He'll never be 2015 again. That might have been the best season by a quarterback in that decade overall. But, you know, if they can get 75, 80% of the guy he was in 2018 with this roster, again, I don't know if they can win a Super Bowl. Can they be competitive? Can they win a couple playoff games? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if Cam's going to be that guy. 
but I don't know that he's not either. So that's so what we got to wait and see and find out. The problem out. that I see with Cam, and early on in training camp, I really thought that we were seeing tangible evidence that Cam was improving in the offense, right? But too often we still see some of the same things plaguing him. And I, I just don't know if he's ever going to get over those types of things in terms of the schematic differences between his playing style and the way that Josh McDaniels calls plays, right? And the way that, that the offense is drawn up. So things like holding the football, things like not anticipating receivers open, throwing the football up for grabs too often with turnovers, that will obviously all, no matter who you are, whether it's Cam Newton or another quarterback, you throw too many picks, that's going to end up with you on the bench. But the most important thing I would say is the timing. And the Matt, Cam is a guy, type of guy that needs to see it open, right? He needs to see the receiver come open. And then throughout his career, and this is, I think, a big element of it with these quarterbacks as they tend to age a little bit, and that be, it becomes less and less so this for them. Cam, in the beginning part of his career, 2015, you know, 2010 through 2015, or what have you, he had so much arm talent that he could, he could afford to wait a second, right? He could afford to wait that half a second to see if the receiver was going to come open because he could throw it through a door hole so fast and with so much velocity and he could throw it deep so easily and just flick the wrist and, and get rid of the football that he didn't need to be an anticipatory thrower. He did not need to throw guys open as often because he had that level of arm talent. Matt doesn't have that level of arm talent, but he knows that, right? He knows his limitations. So with Cam, the anticipation and the timing and the rhythm in the offense has not improved a ton. So in that respect, with the arm not being what it was five to 10 years ago, you see the struggles that he has. Right. And, and, sure. and I, I think that that's the biggest thing that I see with cam is early on in training camp first week or so we talked about it on the show. I know people think we don't talk about it, but we talked about it on the show. We said cam's looking a lot better. Cam's having better practices. He's having better timing the last week to 10 days even then also against Washington at times, I thought it kind of reverted back to a, not all the way back to last year, but certainly a little bit back to what we saw out of Cam Newton last year. And today was kind of all of last year, right? Today was kind of a last year day from Cam. So we'll see. He has another day tomorrow to prove me wrong. He has a whole lot of time to prove me wrong, right? Tomorrow, uh, joint practices number two. I'll be out there again. Well, more importantly, are you, are you feeling yes. better that you got that off your chest? And Yeah. Yeah, I am. And mm -hmm. I think people think that I do it because the, I let the go trolls get to me. It's not that. I just – I wanted to say my piece, all right? So I said it. I do feel a lot better. Uh, tomorrow – we are going to be back out of practice. I will on Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. start again to practice, I believe, out there in uh, NovaCare Center or Complex or whatever the heck it's called. And then we're going to do the podcast afterwards as well. we got to lock down the time, but sometime in the afternoon, we'll be back on the pod to break down day two. You can read my notebook on clnsmedia.com. We also have a bunch more reactions from day one on the YouTube channel videos, uh, Patriots Press Pass, out. Alex, I'm sure you got stuff going on at 98.5 as well. Yep. Uh, podcast up today with Phil Perry recapping day one, 98.5 thesports.com. We've got Bob Sosie's notebook as well. I'll have a roster projection later in the week too. Awesome. Yeah. Roster projections are great. So definitely give Alex his roster projection. Uh, I say this all the time, Alex, that you do much better with the roster projections than I do. It's you always... really tough though. Like, right. Part of the reason I, so part of the reason I think I do well is you, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. You look very in the moment. You look at what's going on on the field and you trust that. 
Right. I, I like to look at the historical tendencies, and I feel like that served me very well when doing yeah. roster projections. Some uh, of the situations definitely. this year, and I've talked about this, there's not a lot of historical tendency for it. So Uh-oh. this is I, – I already know. I, like, I, I think the last one I did, the last roster projection I did, I think I was 52 or 53. Um, and the guy I had off, they, they, I would somebody and brought him back. So, um, this year I, I know I'm taking a step back this year. So, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a tough year and you're probably right because I, what I do is I trust my eyes, right? I just go with my gut and I trust my eyes of what I'm seeing and hope that it's accurate to what Bill Belichick is seeing. And for a million reasons, I'm probably wrong. Uh, and Bill Belichick is obviously right. So uh, that, that's why I have issues with some of these times because some, some of my roster projections, especially early on when I first got on the beat, I, I was off by five, six guys, you know, something crazy like that. So hopefully. This year will be a little bit closer. But like I said, read Alex's roster projection. He's always better uh, with the historical tendencies, as he said. I, I tend to have a blind spot with that kind of stuff and and just go with my gut. But read Alex on 985.com, me on clnsmedia.com. Like I mentioned, we'll be back on the pod tomorrow afternoon. But until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.